All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Uh, I'm joined by a three-peat guest. I can't believe he's been on the show three times now. Welcome back, Chris Brogan. How are you, my friend? I'm still stuck on three-peat. Holy cow, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you can stop publishing books and then you can stop being on the show. <laughs> I guess. Man, that's great. I'm so thrilled. I'm always thrilled to be here in Intrepid. Yeah, well, it's good to have you. You are the CEO and publisher of Owner Media Group. Uh, how's, that, uh, how's that affair going? You know, the magazine is is still kind of in its growth phase, and I don't know. You know, I didn't know how to launch a digital magazine. I didn't. I thought it was just going to be like build it and the money will come like everyone does. Um, and what happens is it's, it's fun. It's a business magazine, kind of a how-to magazine over at ownermag.com. And first thing I didn't realize is that everybody who I know who I asked to write for it have their own websites, have their own blogs, but evidently have a lot of uh, secret fairies helping them behind the scenes. Whereas <laughs> I'm a bit of a, you know, do it all myself kind of guy. So I had no idea that a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, needed a little extra handholding to get their work put out there, which is fine. Just, I didn't expect that. So it's interesting. I enjoy the work. Uh, I still believe in the process. I, I've just got to probably do a couple of things to, to make it even more valuable for people because, you know, believe me, no one's just knocking the wall down saying, I can't wait to give you money. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, we, we get that, don't we? Well, you're also the best-selling author uh, and a speaker. Uh, remind the audience, I'm sure they're quite familiar with you, but uh, give them a few more details on who Chris Brogan is. Oh, sure. Um, so I, the first book I wrote that anybody might know about is called Trust Agents. It was a New York Times bestseller with Julian Smith. And I've written other books. Uh, Julian and I also wrote a book together called The Impact Equation, which is in some ways kind of a sequel, but it's not. <clears throat> uh, Social Media for Business, Google+. Plus. Uh, it's not about the tights. And a, a little-known book of poetry called Superheroes in the Basement. And uh, besides that, this new one, The Freak Shall Inherit the Earth, which I just penned off fairly recently and just came out. And uh, that one's all about entrepreneurship. So it's funny, two of my books, Google Plus for Business and Social Media 101, were about social media. But people who don't know me all think that that's what I do all day is tweet and <laughs> Google or something. Well, you know, I was thinking about our conversation today, Chris, and, and it struck me that you first came into my orbit uh, circa 2008. Can you believe it's been six years and you and I connected not too long thereafter? And, and it's, it's been really interesting to watch you evolve over time. And, I, and we'll get into that a little bit in the, in, the, in the conversation. But yeah, the new books, The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. Uh, what is a freak? Sure. A freak is somebody who's kind of uh, pretty much like tattoo level obsessed with their business and, and feel very passionate about it. And they're the person who wants to do a very specific kind of business with very certain kind of people and to do the kind of business that you want to do. Uh, in your own ways. So to me, you know, it, it's this whole notion that you can, uh, um, th that all the tools now exist to make that sort of a thing happen and, and to make it that you can, you know, do those sorts of business. So uh, pretty easy kind of freaks are in a big company sense, Reebok. Reebok said, we really love CrossFit and we really love the Spartan races and we want to team up and partner with these people and really connect with them and make the kind of shoes that they want as opposed to a Nike who says, you know, come like our shoe and if you like it, then we like you. And so, you know, to me, it's a, 
it's a situation where you're fearless about where things are going to go. You're, you, you have that sense of bravery and courage that you're going to find the people who like the things that you like. So one might say that one who lives the intrepid life would be a freak. Well, there you have it. Uh, you know, Chris, it saddens me, though, that these people now you and I, uh, we run in similar circles. We we've we've been engaged online for years and, and we're in that bubble of people who are similar in thinking to or towards this freaks mentality. But it saddens me, though, that that someone who does business this way and we'll get in a little more detail. Uh, it's, it saddens me that we call him a freak. I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't this be the way that you do business now? I mean, I, or is this not meant for every type of business? No, you know, I think that there's a lot of businesses where this does apply. But, I, I mean, we've gone through decades and decades of being told we need to fit in. We've been told that, you know, you've got to be like everybody else and you've got to go try to find the biggest piece of the market. And uh, the other thing that people do the other way is they're like, you have to, you know, some, somehow declare a niche and, and really work in that, in that small group. And, and this is neither of those things. You know, I think Walmart could be a freaks level business. Sam Walton, when he launched Walmart, had a really freaks idea because he was working at Ben Franklin's store. He managed a Ben Franklin store and he had this whole he bought a whole bunch of uh, women's nylons from some truck guy who had like tons of them and didn't know what to do with them all. And he used them as kind of bait to get people into the store to sell other stuff. And he did great merchandising work. And he did so well that Ben Franklin stores wrote him a letter saying, you've got to stop because none of our stores work like that. And you're kind of a jerk and you're making too much money and the other managers are getting mad and you stink. And he was like, what? And he quit and he started Walmart because he thought that seems really dumb. If I can find a way to make something cost less by getting a lot more of it in volume, then why would you ever punish me for that? And that's kind of how Walmart stores really get started. People don't think of it that way. You know, this many years later, they some people think of them as the evil empire, but I don't. I think that they're, they could be just such a great freaks business. You know, people who love anime and drawing these, you know, interesting little Japanese art styles. There's lots of art supplies in Walmart. You could connect those two things together very well. So to me, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for us to do that. But, you know, to your other question about, you know, how do you, why is it that people still aren't really quite getting with this? I mean, Kamal Ravikant, who's on the day that we're recording this anyways, it's birthday. He, he said to me, he goes, yeah, but no one really exactly wants to be a freak. They just are. And he goes, they all want to be owners. And there used to really not be any uh, way to be an owner without sort of shaving off what made you a freak. And that's changed now. And I think that that's the big difference in, in the way things are going is that we can now accommodate that. Do you see a, a, a time in the not-too-distant future where, where that will be the norm? I mean, we're starting to see more thought leadership, and I hate that word, but on this idea. I mean, go ahead and put out the book, We Are All Weird. I mean, there, there's, yeah. there's more conversation around that idea. Are you see it being more generally accepted, or is it still a long way to go? Uh, you know, it, it's the best time in the world to be a weirdo. I, I was saying this to someone fairly recently. I saw a guy walking down the street wearing a Legends of Zelda sweatshirt. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, if you know, when I was in high school, I'd get beat up for that. You know, that would not go over very well. And now it's somehow kind of cool to be nerdy or weird or different. But the thing is, it is still often conceived of as sort of a novelty or something, you know. And it's definitely this scenario where... Um, the big opportunity is that you can find the business that you want to find now, uh, but but people have to sort of make that choice. And it is still looked down upon because it doesn't look like really big stuff. Um, 
Well, why do people still play it safe? I mean, look, there there are there are books like Freak Style and the Hair with the Earth. There there there's people out there talking along those those lines, and there's so much information and education available online to help you break through and and do business a different way. But yet, we still just majority of us still play it safe. I mean, why is that happening? I mean, is 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 it just so ingrained in our DNA? It's just going to take a while for that to break through, or are are people still just largely afraid? I think people are afraid. I, you know, in, in a bunch of conversations I had last week, I, I'll tell you the weirdest thing that I kept coming back to. Like, I swear I didn't really mean this to be the sort of repeating theme in my head, but I just kept saying to people, it's really always a battle about fear. Um, when I wrote this book, it's really funny. So on my desk, I have a copy of my book, not because I love myself that much, but because people ask me these kinds of questions like, well, on page 12, you said, and I'm always like, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but right beside it is John Jance's great book, Duct Tape Selling. And I know that you know him and have had him on and whatever. And John's book, Duct Tape Selling, will sell a gazillion copies. Not because it's John, not because he's smarter than me, even though he is, but because it's a book about selling. Think like a marketer, sell like a superstar. It will sell over and over and over. My book says, you're a weirdo, you're kind of a misfit, you don't fit in. Which one do you think huge corporations are going to pay to have speak. They're going to pay John. No question. They're not even going to think about it. They're just going to look at the cover of the book and go, oh, he should come to our sales meeting, right? It's like a built-in thing. So he's smart. What I did was say, I think I need weirdos. So what's hard is you have to hand collect all the weirdos, Todd. Like the difference is if you put out in the marketplace, I am not a weirdo. I am just like you. There's a lot of people who want to fit in and it's a really easier market to capture. It's also harder because your attention span is all sprawled, but you know, there's more people to screw with. So I I would say that the trick of this also is that it's very, um, it's very, there's work involved. This is the opposite of going, getting a job, sitting in a cubicle and then going home at 6 PM. This is very much like you have to make business happen and you have to be very intentional in it. Well, yeah, I mean, you you titled your book on purpose. I mean, look, we'd all love to have huge corporate buy-ins of our of our books and 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 sell hundreds of thousands of copies, sure. But but that's not what I'm guessing you really wanted to achieve with this, because there was a very specific message for a very specific personality, and and the and the book was titled that way on purpose, right? To to call the herd a bit, if you will, and and reach the person who is on the precipice, and and by by hopefully getting this message. They can, they can break through and achieve what what will be personal happiness for them. So, you know, that's everything, Todd. So what, what you've done in the last couple of questions, because you're a great interviewer, is you've, you've really threaded the needle very well. And what I've done is I've said, you have to go through some barriers before you say yes or no to this book. The very first one is the book's covered in bats and says the word freaks on the cover. There is some subset of humans. I mean, there's actually probably a huge set of humans who will look at that and go, I'm not reading this. It's weird. And that's who I don't want. The people who I want are the people like Mitch Jackson, who is California's trial attorney of the year, who, you know, trial attorney, freak, he self-identifies as a freak. Uh, I had two really wonderful CPAs uh, talk to me about this book, and they were like, we're freaks. And then last week, a dentist told me he was a freak. And then yesterday, a flooring expert 
told me he was a freak. He's a flooring guy. He's a guy who wears those little rubber things over his jeans to make sure his knees don't hurt and glues sticks down onto a floor all day long. He's like, I'm so a freak. And that's what, that's why my business wasn't working. And I totally get it. Todd, I'm in love with those stories. You know, what I thought I was going to get was the people I expected. Like, you know, Amanda Palmer was kind enough to blurb the book. She, she titled herself a piano and ukulele slayer. You know, she's, she shaved off her eyebrows and, and tattooed strange fake ones on. That's who I thought would self-identify as a freak. But no, I got lawyers, dentists, uh, CPAs, and a flooring guy. That's what I wanted. I mean, it's, it's not about what you do. I mean, take the flooring guy. It, it's, it, the, the, to be a freak doesn't mean you have to have a, a really oddball business offering. It, it's more mindset, yeah? Absolutely. It's really this. You have to have almost a tattoo level obsession with the kind of business you want to do. You have to know the kind of people you would rather do that business with and and know how you want to conduct it. Those are the differences. I mean, there are people out there. Let's go with you. You are a media personality. You're a host. You wanted to do your own kind of radio show, but you couldn't convince some local radio uh, station to give you a gig, or if they did, it wouldn't be the right gig, or it wouldn't be the right money, or there would be some other thing that would push you against it. But you don't need anybody's permission to make Intrepid Radio. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We don't need anyone's permission. With things like Kickstarter, we don't need anyone to fund, you know, we don't need some corporation to decide that our electronic uh, door stop machine is the right one. People either do or don't fund the project. With uh, Airbnb, we can all run our own hotel if we want. There's just no end to how we can choose to run what we want to run the way we want to do it and find the people who would dig it the way we like it. Well, along those lines, Chris, uh, and you said at the top of the show that there's still a lot of people who identify you as this social media guy. I mean, but how important is the, the social platforms that exist to being a freak? I mean, it, it's it's about connecting with an audience. It's about identifying your fellow freaks and 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 helping each other. Uh, can 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 this idea, can this mentality happen without social, without without digital? Uh, you know what? No, I, I, I mean, technically, yes, you could, you could get around it. You'd have to be a little bit more clever. Uh, you'd have to sort of look for some different tools that aren't as easy to use. Uh, the, the analog version of some of this stuff is, you know, very doable, but it's, it's, you know, kind of some work, but, uh, these tools make it so much easier. I mean, if you had to wait around until the Wall Street Journal decided you were the right business, that's one thing. If you had to wait around for a radio station or TV to cover you or pay for that, you know, that's another kind of a thing. But, you know, with a decent website, with some sense of uh, way to reach and, and connect with people, I mean, there's just there's just tools now that allow you to make business happen. There's tools that allow you to make media happen that lets people understand your business that just didn't exist. Uh, you don't have to be a Twitter person. You don't have to do anything. But these tools are like our own free private bat signal that allow us to find the people that we want to do business with. Private bat signal. Uh, I've seen you write, Chris, that part of the freak's mindset is this idea about belonging and serving your fellow freaks and raising each other up. Talk about that a bit and and why that's so powerful and so important in this. And you, you always talk about the Manchu, too. Talk about what that means. Sure. Uh, so I say business is about belonging because the kinds of people who are succeeding in this, what I perceive to be somewhat new economy, this what I call personal business economy, is this whole group of people who are uh, serving a specific community. So let, I'll give you an example. Nike makes shoes. Lots of people do or don't like Nike and they, you know, they market in such a way that it's just like, buy my shoes, you'll like them. Uh, Reebok, on the other hand, 
says, hey, we really like you nice people who do CrossFit. How do we make our shoes better so that you'd want to wear our shoes? And they partnered with CrossFit and they spent money with CrossFit and they uh, fund the games and all that. They did the same thing with the Spartan races and they started asking Spartan obstacle course race people, hey, how do we make shoes that are going to help you out there on the court, uh, you know, on the course, sorry, and whatever. So they launched the all-terrain series and I have a pair of them sitting to my left because I'll be doing a Spartan race in the fall and I'm fascinated fascinated by this concept that this very big company, so it's not big versus small business. A small business could do exactly what I just said. Uh, but I would say that it's a, um, you know, a circumstance where you try to find the place where you belong and the people who you value, and then you connect with them in such a way that you can do the business that you want to do. And it starts there. And there's lots of other ways to start showing what belonging means, but that's probably the first and easiest way. Well, and I'm sure you've heard this before, and and excuse the the <laughs> where I'm coming from in this, but it illustrates a point that there are people who will say, well, Chris Brogan, why is he all that? Why does he get speaking gigs? Why does he get these book, uh, these book deals? And, and I've read his stuff and there's, it's good stuff, but it's, you know, there's a lot of people who write good stuff. What, what is it? Why, why is he so great? And, and, and when that question's posed to me, I say, well, just pay attention to the guy, just watch how he behaves and how he interacts. And, and it's this notion of, of raising other people up. I mean, you've always been enormously generous at, at helping promote this show when you've been, uh, been a guest on it. And it's, it's that kind Kind of activity that that really sets you apart and is is the key to success certainly in the, in the social platforms i mean yeah i mean I, I, that's 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 been the key to your success is it not three and a half minutes ago while you and i were talking i typed to uh, let me just answer this thing one really quickly three and a half minutes ago i typed to 280,139 people know who's an amazing interviewer Todd Schnick. What a great personality and speaker. You don't even know. Amazing questions. So yes, uh, that's what I do. I make sure that people follow and connect with the people that I think are interesting and worth it. And I do this all the time. There's never any business reason. You didn't just, I don't see a change in my PayPal balance. Uh, so I clearly don't make money by telling people that they're awesome. What I do is I point out really awesome people. And when it goes around a bunch of times, two things happen, Todd. One of them is absolutely of business value to me. And the other one is just a good thing. Uh, the first thing is that when I say all the time that people are awesome, this horrendous emotional change happens where people want this. I want Chris to say I'm awesome. And then they just start doing even better and more interesting things kind of in front of me in some way, which benefits everybody in their community. And I just like, wow, this is great. The other thing that happens, see, that was the greedy one. And then the second one that happens is that people who are awesome take note of these kinds of other people, make connections, make neat things happen. And then business starts happening all around you. This is something I wrote about in Trust Agents in 2009 with Julian Smith. I wrote, be at the elbow of every deal. If you are the kind of person who has helped make business come back and forth across somebody's desk a bunch of times and you don't ask for a single thing, you don't think that those people aren't looking out for you in some way? Oh, my golly. It's amazing the weird opportunities I have. There's a guy right now who works for an NFL football team. He's their sports medicine guy. <clears throat> Called me for a little bit of advice yesterday. This is advice that I would charge people for, but I didn't charge him because he's in the Manchu. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the process being is that this is also the kind of guy who has access to people that will be great guests for my show, which will turn into other business, which will turn into more opportunity. So it's, it's kind of like Johnny Appleseed, Todd. I'm, I'm throwing seeds in all directions all the time, and I just eat when the time comes to eat. That's all. Yeah. Uh, explain the Manchu. 
Okay, right. So the word Manchu is an Okinawan word. It means one family. And it means very specifically the family you choose, not your blood relatives. And that's really important because, you know, we all have people in our family that we wouldn't mind strangling just a tiny bit. But the Manchu is the people you really hope succeed. You would be considered in my Manchu, Todd, because I like you. I want your work. I think you're a great guy. You know, there's lots of people like that. Chris Gillibo, Anthony Anarino, Julian Smith. I mean, if I just sort of look at the wall of tweets in front of me on Hootsuite, that's my Manchu uh, to some level. And of course, there's other people who aren't necessarily Twitter people. It's not a digital thing. Um, that's the people that you, you work with. Some of them could be your clients, but most of them are your allies. They're people that you hope win. In thinking of your own community like that, in thinking of the people that you have the opportunity and the pleasure to serve like that, it's very different than when you think of your, quote, customer. A customer is a transactional kind of a thing. And I do have some customers. Believe me, I have people who pay me money who never talk to me except to, like a two-word, you know, thank you kind of a thing or to complain when something didn't get done right. I have lots of customers. Every business does. But, you know, if you're lucky. Uh, but the people I serve and the people I try to, you know, grow my business around are these, these other people, this Manchu. And through that, the right kind of business lands in my lap. Part of the other thing I say in the, in the Freaks book is I say, make the Manchu the media. And I spend all my days talking to and about the kinds of people that I serve because it lets you see yourself in the environment around the business that I've built. And so that's the real goal. The real goal is to make sure that you know that you're loved in a certain way and that these are the right kind of people around you and that, you know, these things all line up together at some point. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining that a little bit further. I thought I had a grasp on it, uh, and I better understand that now. So thanks for that. Uh, I, t I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, you and I have been connected now for five, six years, and it's been yeah. fun to watch you evolve and your business evolve and your message evolve. And well, maybe your message hasn't necessarily evolved, but, but the, the platform by which you're doing it. Talk about how that's part of this freak's mindset, that, that you can't be afraid to evolve and try new things and, and continue to strive to get to a place where uh, you're thriving and, and you're content and you're happy and you're serving and all that. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of been, that, that's a part of this thing, right? You can't be afraid to evolve and change. No, I mean, a lot of what the book deals with is fear. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, but as part of that, I mean, really, the only way you can fail in life is, is all about this uh, situation where you calcify, do you know what I mean? There's this yep. whole deal where you start thinking, you know, that you've gotten somewhere and then you just stop. You're doomed. That's when it all goes wrong. And so um, with my business, I mean, a lot of my message hasn't changed. I've just sometimes I have to shake the words up a little bit because people didn't get it the first 70 times I said it. So I just come back and I say the sentence a different way or I use different imagery and people go, oh, yes, this, you've really learned some things in the last seven years. And I'm like, no, I've been saying it the same way. You just didn't hear it. It's my fault. You know, communication is always a two way street. It's not just what you say. It's that the person gets it. Uh, and so there's all kinds of things that I've done and worked at and strived to do that, you know, through the evolution have all also come through some failures. And one of them is I really loved enjoying working with uh, really big companies. And that's fun, except that they're very slow to take their actions. Their evolution is a really strange path sometimes. And the other part of that is that I really wanted to work with the kinds of owners who had a lot more say of a lot more parts of their business. And that doesn't actually work that way in large corps. So I just couldn't get some of the things done that I wanted to do with people's businesses at those levels. So it's all good. Talk about the importance of clarity. You've said that that's critical in this. Uh, you've said that uh, you have to understand your, your, your business and your mission down 
community at a molecular level. Why is that so important? I, I, I sense that a lot of business people out there, they, they don't have that clarity. And, that, and that's, 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 frankly, the big cause for a lot of their issues. Talk about the importance of clarity. You know, it, it's the strangest thing. Uh, this is sort of a newer one to me, but I've really had it hammered home in the last couple of days because I've, I've worked with a bunch of people in a consulting role just recently. I've been doing a little bit of private coaching. And in all the cases, the private coaching really boiled down to them not having a very simple, easy way to understand and communicate their choices and their, uh, let's say the kind of kernel of their mental operating system. Uh, meaning they didn't really, you know, if I said, Hey, you know, what kind of, what do you bring to this picnic? They go, well, and then a long pause happens in big companies. The problem is that, you know, marketers seem to put the message out all the time. I mean, uh, you could go to any kind of company and see, you know, what they say their message is, you know, uh, UPS, UPS.com. We love logistics. When I went to my local UPS store and I'd asked the guy what he was doing, never once in a million years did that man say to me, I love logistics. Worse, you know what he would say to me as well, UPS store, um, he'd be like, UPS store and UPS are two different things. And I'd be like, uh, you're losing me because <laughs> it's all the same thing to me. It's just like that logo. And he's like, well, you know, but we're made up of different things. And, you know, UPS stores also incorporate mailboxes. And then you fall asleep. You're just like, I don't even get it. So huge companies have a real trouble because the only people who really understand the message are the CEO and the marketers. And that's a challenge, right? So what, what we also need to do is in a bigger company, we need to get the message all the way down to the, you know, to the, the whole deep level of the, the atom so that everybody at every phone number in the building and everyone at every desk knows what to get done. You know, um, I had a, I, this is going to stun you. I had a very positive experience with Comcast the other day. <gasps> no. See, I told you, Todd. Um, <laughs> You know, everyone complains about them all the time. And like, I think they just won back their spot on like kind of one of the most reviled businesses in the U.S. level or something like that. But listen, I called Comcast Business. I had a problem. The guy was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me. I'll send a guy out there. Uh, We're doing only like two-hour commitment kind of things right now. Is Monday between 9 and 11 good? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, okay. And the guy came out right at 9 something. The guy couldn't exactly find the problem. And then he says, well, you know, I noticed you're using this kind of a router and you might want to take a look at picking up one of these because that one's kind of older now and, you know, it might not really be the problem, but it might just make everything better in general. Now, he was supposed to charge me because he didn't find a problem that was anything to do with Comcast. And basically, he kind of pointed the finger at my own hardware, which is when they charge you. He didn't do that. In fact, he told me, go buy this brand. It's pretty good. You'll like it. He goes, I'm a Mac guy. You're a Mac guy. You'll like it. And uh, then it like, said, if you, and here's my cell number. If you need any help setting it up, it's kind of weird. So I'll help you. I'm like, I was just like, wow, wow. this guy makes me want to love Comcast. And that is not your experience. Um, everyone seems to like certain airlines. Uh, a lot of people love Southwest. I had a horrible negative experience that I've been talking about with anyone who will listen for several years, Todd, because what was at the desk wasn't what's in the ads and what isn't in the, in the system. And it just seems to me that this should be so easy to do. And yet most businesses think of that as a, as a liability or a time suck or a money suck. And to me, 
that's why they're failing. That's why they're a problem. So, so I don't know, keep consultants like me in business because I can always just walk into companies and offer them therapy sessions and I can always help them. Well, that's a it's a good segue to my final question. I mean, I, I, I almost feel like you could you could boil this whole book, this whole message down to a, a one paragraph leaflet that just says, hey, just do business in a more human way. Recognize that there's a, a human being behind that avatar and treat him that way. I mean, is, is it really that simple? You would think. Uh, yeah, it's true. There's a little bit of technology, though. I mean, so, for instance, I was saying that, you know, for all these loyalty systems, you know, there's all these systems that when we go and swipe our card somewhere, it's supposed to be good for us. But it, all it really does is just tell marketers, you know, you bought this brand, not that brand. But wouldn't it be great if like when we went to a hotel to check in, like, I don't know, the Marriott's or something, if every time I checked into a Marriott, they knew by the time they got my Marriott rewards number, they're like, oh, I know Chris. Chris likes, he doesn't care about the view. He wants as many plugs because he's got all this weird gear. Um, he doesn't need the mini bar key, but he would love if you'd come up and clean out the fridge so he'd have room to put in his, like his fitness junk, you know, his groceries that he buys whenever he shows up places. You know, wouldn't it be cool if like all that stuff was just handled? Like, wouldn't you go to the place that you felt like they knew who you were there? To me, this is basic stuff. It's not hard. It takes actions. You know, there's like, you know, a housekeeping person has to go up and make a couple small changes, but, and the system maybe has to sort of flag rooms slightly differently. But think about the the added value of me always feeling like I'm in the right hands every time I go to that that location. And and to me, that's you could do that with a piece of paper and a bunch of checkboxes, or you could do it with an Excel spreadsheet, or you could do it with real software built to handle that kind of a thing. And in all cases, yeah. Well, it is. Uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier that there's so much information and so many people talking about these things, yet it, the message just doesn't seem to get through. It's it's uh, quite frustrating. Well, I guess that means. Uh, uh, that you'll play, have plenty of other content for future books. Uh, Chris, we're about out of time. Before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and get their hands on The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth? Here's what I want more than anything. So just go to callingallfreaks.com, which just redirects to the page at chrisbrogan.com. That'll help you the best with all that stuff. But also in the upper right corner, there's a little newsletter thingy. Sign up and get my newsletter because if you enjoyed our talk and you and you're the kind of person who likes Todd, then you might like me. Just take a look at the newsletter. And if you hate it, there's an unsubscribe button. It's absolutely free to push it at the very bottom. That's how. All right. Well, I've been on that list for uh, quite a while now, and it is, it is great stuff. As you say, it is your best stuff, so appreciate that. Chris Brogan, the CEO and publisher of Owner Media Group and the best-selling author of The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. As always, my friend, great to spend some time with you. Todd, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time and your continued friendship. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of my guest, Chris Brogan, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. What you want? What you want? You've been listening to Intrepid Radio, hosted by me, Todd Schnick. You can find the show at IntrepidRadioShow.com. If you enjoyed the broadcast, kindly leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, stay bold, and I'll see you soon on the Intrepid Radio Show. Intrepid Radio.